0: yeah, it's time for the final breakdown of The Last Dance. Hit it Brad. Oh yeah, that's good. There's no sports still. Well, there's limited sports, but the most important thing is still The Last Dance. This is Backdoor Cover and we are here to talk about it today. There was actually sports over the weekend, maybe Brad and I will get together later this week and talk about some of the golf, the NASCAR, the UFC, because that's what people really tune into this podcast for, but in the meantime, just kidding, time for the last dance, the only thing that people are talking about in the entire world, and as promised, to break down episode 9 and 10, I am here with my co-host Bradley Key, and of course, the infamous, the very single, Mr. Coach Bobby. Coach Bobby. What's up, gentlemen? What's weave. up, guys? <laughs> Thank you for the the three-man weave is on. We already are
1: stepping yes. on each other's toes. This
0: is going to be amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah we are. Three
2: guys playing the same position.
0: Sounds great. Yeah, what, Coach Bobby is uh, coming to you on a phone from the uh, pool house. That sounds like Ralph the Dog barking in the background at the MWBK studios, and I am in my bedroom. Uh, so we'll see how well this works. This is exciting, though. Uh, let's just start with some overall thoughts from last night. Highlights. We'll start with Brad. And then uh, we'll go to, to Whitey. Brad, what did you think last night, and maybe as the the series as a whole? So I'm I'm trying to quiet Ralph down. I was
1: muting my mic there for. Oh, uh, how about you start, Bobby? I'm gonna calm this dog down. Does that work for you guys?
2: Yeah, get it, Whitey. Um. Well, first of all, as I've gotten older, and you you things see things that are hyped up, and they're be a huge expectations. You think. There's no way this stuff's gonna live up to it, um, and this is just one of those few instances where it exceeded all expectations. Um, it was it was incredible. Every episode was great. I at the end of every episode I was like, "No, I want more. I, I don't want you know. I, I would have rather watched this all together uh, because it was almost kind of painful waiting you know till Sunday. Uh, so it was really really good. First takeaway. This, then, so, in the truest right, form of, of
1: your description here, when Dumb and Dumber was coming out, that was like the all-time most hyped ever movie was in my childhood. I think that's that perfectly represents what you're describing here. But the Last Dance delivers. So, continue, please. Right.
2: So it delivered absolutely, uh, the exceeded expectations. Was as good, better than expected. Um, but the the only problem I had was. Uh, not being able to um, relive the moment. I'm, I'm, this is very hard to describe. But let's say you're um, you're witnessing something in person, mm-hmm. but you don't. You have very limited memories of it. Yeah, yeah. So, like a lot of this stuff, I remember as a kid. I was a huge Bulls fan. I or had like little outfit. pieces of it, right? Right, right. Um, so, the, like some of the stuff, I wish that I had a more Vivid memory of because mm-hmm. like I could say I remember where I was when this happened. I remember how how this stuff felt. Like I could do that with LeBron, but I can't do that with Jordan. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of it, a lot of it was fuzzy. But uh, the the overall the overall take was it was incredible. I really enjoyed it. And then second part was that I cannot believe that the owner and GM basically ended maybe the grain greatest dynasty. Man, I'm getting an echo bad here. But, uh, the greatest dynasty in the history of basketball. or maybe It'll never
1: sports. be understood. There'll never be it a time in life sense. when this will ever make sense.
2: Yeah, you can't see this happening in the future with any other sports. I mean, maybe Brady and Belichick, I don't know if they got along. But that's
1: what I only two people.
2: This is a whole... Yeah, it's this not this in their prime, poor, right? Right. It's not in it's Brady's, not in Brady's prime.
1: Yeah, exactly. So picking back yeah, off it's, where you were, ahead, yeah. Pick, I've got my dog under control, so I can start picking up here. So picking up where where Coach left off there, the the other thing that I thought so you described kind of how it was fragmented in your memory that your memories of of kind of how the the story played out. My my biggest gripe with the thing was the jumping from timeline to timeline and at times not doing it chronologically, like it would jump from 93 to 96 to 92 to 97 to, it, it like got to the point where it was like, what, what fucking year are we in? Like, that was the one part where I could like, occasionally I would lose track of what arrow I was in because like you said, I, it's still kind of a fragmented memory. Like I, I vaguely remember it happening, but I don't remember yeah. it clearly enough to be able if to follow a storyline.
2: If this was all new, it would be, it would just be incredible. I'd rather watch this with no memory of any of it. Yeah. Than, than like, you know, bits and pieces of it. Uh, if it was, well, I if feel it like, was LeBron with all the flashbacks.
0: Go ahead, Win. I was just going to say, with all the flashbacks and stuff, the fact that we do know that they won 92, 93, 94, and then 96, 97, 98, like helped. Because if I didn't know that, like, I was watching it with the fiance, and she's like, "What? where are we going? Right. What's happening now? What? And so, like, it is a little confusing if you don't know. And you it, do, it did take, you know, this is not, like, background noise. This was a show that you had to kind of sit down and really take in. Uh, I do agree with Bobby. My biggest takeaway watching this last night is, like, the same thing we said after the first two episodes is, I don't understand how this happened. Like, how could these bozos be so silly as to not try and run it back for another year? Um, how do you find the and, perfect... Equation for success, and not
1: do it until it doesn't work anymore. No kidding. That's all you like. You have something that works every time. Like literally a hundred percent of the time that Joy was on that team, and in full, like a full season of play, they won. So, like, how do you, how do you not do that until it doesn't work anymore?
2: Right. You know, Is he? He has to be the only athlete that retires the year that he wins the MVP in any sport. I mean, who, who else goes out on top? I don't know if he won in 93. If and he, the no, championship. Barkley, Barkley won in 93. Right. So that 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 season, he didn't even win the MVP. He's clearly in his prime. But in 98, he wins the MVP. He's clearly the best player in the league. He wins the championship. And then he leaves essentially because the GM doesn't want to bring back the coach. They don't get along. And he says he's not going to bring back the coach. And then everybody sort of decides at the beginning of the season without even trying any reclamation or without even trying to piece it back together or put grievances aside to, um, uh, you know, to bring it back for another year. It just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, and and Jordan says it at that last interview, which I'm sure we'll get to when we get to actually episode 10, but he says that he doesn't know whether they would have won, but he's pretty sure everybody would have agreed to a one-year contract. Yeah. And that's just absolutely ridiculous to say that they, that, that wasn't even offered. The, there, none of those offers were even thrown out. The only person that got an offer back was was Phil, and that was from Reinsdorf. And Phil was like, well, that's not going to be fair to Jerry Krause," which is essentially he's saying, well, I'm not going to be back he, to Jerry Krause. Yeah,
0: Phil punted. <laughs> yeah, Phil, yeah, Phil was right. And, and, and that is one thing Phil's been very consistent on in the documentary and over the years, like in his book, that he said, like, it didn't matter. I, I needed a year off. I was going to take a sabbatical. Which is something he did with the Lakers later, basically. Like he was just like, "I'm gone." So in that retrospect, you know, it it seems impossible they would have found a way to bring Pippen back for another year. They could have got everybody back. I don't know who you replace Pip with. I don't think that's possible. Um, The other thing, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure they could have
2: got some. They could have got somebody. Well,
0: the other thing that they don't mention in the the documentary, and it leads to my other point, is that. This isn't really a documentary. This is a Jordan-approved yeah. telling of Jordan's story. It, yeah, and which is true. And there's right. some of that stuff, you know. And, and that's okay. Like that's that was it. I agree with Bobby. This thing over-delivered. It was better than I thought it would be, but it wasn't perfect. But like you knew it wasn't going to be perfect. And it, the things I've read this week that the Bulls in that '98 year had a payroll of like 65 million, and the salary cap was 27. <laughs> so like they. They were already. I, I don't know how the cap works at that point, and obviously they paid Mike like thirty-five, so he was, you know, had some sort of loophole, the bird rule or whatever it was called. But uh, there were salary cap issues, and it was clear they, you know, that was with Scotty p- playing for like two million a year. So th- if they bring Scotty back at fifteen, which is about what he was making when he got traded, you know, there's just no way uh, they would have had to to at least make some changes. But you got to give it a try. I, I don't know it. You know, you, We end up saying here, and after the first two episodes, we said, man, Jerry Krause really fucked this up, and it's kind of sad that he's the, the one guy who's not here to defend himself, but he is a villain, and he acted like a villain, and he's going to be treated as such. We end up, episode 10, thinking the exact same shit, because the reality is, let's say you try and bring it back, and you sell out every game, and you're still, even if it's Jordan's last waltz one last time, it's going to be a fucking bonanza it's going to be amazing people are going to watch your 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 franchise's value is going to go up just by being associated with a legendary player and let's say like it puts you in salary cap hell for a couple of years big deal the the bulls have won one playoff series since michael retired like this franchise has been terrible ever since
2: yeah so it's not the, like they the, the it rebuild right
0: the rebuild exactly the rebuild did not work period so no. why not just give it another try? Well, uh,
1: that's easy to say in retrospect. Like, if it w- if you didn't know it wasn't going to work, it's a little bit more defensible, but not really. Like, there's no way to defend you have a proven track, like you have a proven formula, this is what wins, and you go away from it purposefully. So, like like you're saying, it's I, I can see some of it, but you can't look at it and be like, well, it was obviously a failure, so that's why they should have obviously done it. Like, they didn't have that information, like after the facts, if you see what All I'm right. saying.
0: So, And the the thing that I've gotten uh, listening to other people talk about this too is that, okay, let's just assume Phil's not coming back no matter what. It doesn't matter how much money they're throwing at him. He's going to take a break. And as it turns out, pretty fucking wise because he sits out a year and then he gets Kobe and, Kobe and Shaq in their prime. So it wasn't a stupid move on his part. But, Phil is going to take a break. Michael said, "I'm not playing for anybody else." The question becomes, why didn't any other team try and sign Mike? And you know, the 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 Bill Simmons theory this week is that the the only team he would have played for was maybe the Knicks, but they would have had to assign and trade. And that. like, you know, it's like that is the other part. Everybody blames Kraus, but it's like you could have blamed Mike. If Mike wanted to come back and play another year, he could have. He ended up playing for the fucking Wizards, so it's not like he decided that, you know, I'm a Bulls for lifer. He never said that. He just said, I'll only play for Phil. But, I mean, it just felt like you could have, you know, he could have done a power play where Phil came, you know, was the coach of some team, and he went with Phil and made somebody a contender. It's yeah. it, It's just, you know, Jordan called it himself maddening. So we'll get to some of that in Episode 10. Anything else before we kind of run through Episode 9?
2: Well, the, just to piggyback on what you said about Phil, he, Phil wasn't, you know, he, He's a coach. He's not a player. His window for coaching is significantly longer. So him saying, you know, he needs a break. Well, yeah, he can afford to take a break. You know, he could coach. He ends up coaching for another, what, 10 years. These guys, these guys that are playing probably have, you know, two, three years left in their career. And that would be the window to win a championship. They could probably win, you know, at least one more, maybe, you know, you know, if you brought in a few other pieces, they might have been able to bring, they might have been able to win a couple more. So, so Phil, of course, it's easy for him to sit there and say, you know, it's time for a break. Well, yeah, you, you know, it's fine for you to take a break, but not everybody else. You know, everybody else's days are numbered much shorter than yours. So, yeah. So,
0: and I, I think they if don't talk about, away. one thing they don't talk about in the documentary, and I'm kind of surprised, is that Mike played, I think it's 304 games the last three years he did not miss a regular season that or a playoff is incredible game. and he never missed a playoff game in his career so like this dude is he's I don't know how old he was 36 or whatever it was at the end of his uh at the end of the second run 35 36 and had just played 304 consecutive games in as in, in intense a uh, manner as any player we've ever seen so like it makes sense. You just kind of wonder if they're like, how about we all take a sabbatical and come back a year later, or do something like, he, you know, he's burned out too. So it, and in, in some ways, it makes the story that much better because, you know, you have a villain that you can blame, you know, everybody just blames Krause. Yeah. Which sure, is one of my favorite parts Krause. of the documentary. Yeah. One of my favorite parts of the whole documentary is when Phil like says like, here's the best player to the best team to the best general manager in the parade, and just people just boo like a motherfucker. It was great, like you know, it's, it's nobody actually beat him, and so it makes this legend even greater uh, to a certain extent.
2: But Rosillo and uh, Bill Simmons said that he was doing that intentionally. He was uh, he was trolling. He wanted the crowd to get into it and start booing. I couldn't tell from watching it. I, I didn't get that impression. But yeah, uh, well, if, if a guy Simmons tells t- you
0: before. If a guy, if you win five championships for a guy, and then before your sixth championship season, he says you can go eighty-two and zero, and we're still firing you, uh yeah. he's probably taking a shot at that guy. He probably there's doesn't think he's the best general manager in the world.
2: Yeah, there's a chance he's going to be vindictive. Uh, Phil might be vindictive in that. In a that good point.
0: Yeah, and considering it's Phil who's notoriously vindictive, I, uh, I, I, lean that way. All right, let's uh, let's run through these episodes. Uh, we come into game nine. Uh, really focusing on two big moments in Jordan's second threepeat: the famous flu game against the Jazz in the '97 Finals. But before that, we get the seven-game series against the Pacers in the '98 East, or actually, I guess, well, they, they kind of go back and forth. The '98 Conference Finals. So we'll start um, with the 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 flu game. I guess is kind of where we where we start on this '97. Um, He's got to deal with with Stockton and Malone uh, for the first time and we have this health scare. Uh, Jordan never missed a game due to injury or illness during 13 postseason series or 13 years in the in the playoffs which is crazy. Bulls and Jazz are tied 2-2 in the finals. Uh, he suddenly becomes violently ill the night before game five in Utah. A couple things that the documentary didn't mention which aren't very big things but kind of interesting that I've heard. A, uh, a bunch of times this week with interviews with Tim Grover and other people that the Bulls wanted the Michael wanted to stay in Salt Lake City uh, but the team somehow overruled him and they stayed in Park City home of uh, Mitch Arnold uh, shouts to Mitch who's not listening <laughs> and yeah thanks for laughing Brad that was you're uh, welcome intended for you uh, Park City which is like I, I mean I don't know how far it is from Salt Lake 45 minutes an hour? Oh shit! Did I just lose you guys? No, we got you. Uh, hold on. Oh, okay. Well, keep going then. Um, so we're they stayed in Salt Lake. Uh, they stayed in Park City, and so Park City, even smaller than Salt Lake City, is where this pizza thing happened. Where there were, there's no room service, and everything is closed at 8:30. Um, so then the the scene. Of course, this is a notorious thing. Lots of rumors and speculations for years, uh, giving the timing jordan's late night habits and the uh, jazz intense fan base but here's the official story that we're going with and i and and i will mention grover has been very consistent with this story for years uh jordan ordered a late night pizza five people come to deliver the pizza and the delivery crew was like looking in trying to get a a, just a a glimpse of jordan grover pays for the pizza and uh, says he immediately got a bad feeling and then Mike said, quote, I ate the pizza all by myself. I woke up about 2.30 throwing up and left, left and right. It really wasn't the flu game. It was food poisoning. So now we have the definitive version of this.
1: Mm. Mm, mm, mm. I can't imagine playing with food poisoning. That is insane.
0: I can't
2: believe that this hasn't been more covered. This hasn't been, like, there wasn't an investigation into this. Like, what's, who's the pizza company? There's so much There's so much stuff about this that I still want to know. Uh on the Simmons podcast uh, from last night, Gracilla was on there saying some guy was at a bar in Salt Lake and came up to him and said, "Yeah, my buddy was the one that poisoned his pizza." Uh, so there's people that are even like laying claim, laying claim to it. They might not be sort announcing of, it, to yeah. the world, but there's people that that are that could easily i could I could easily see that Utah Utah fans are notoriously difficult uh, to the to the road team you asked Russell westbrook about it there's there's a lot of people. it's hostile yeah not not no exactly joke. fans playing at salt salt lake so, so many I, I angry mean, white people in those crowds oh my gosh do you see that there's you every time they pan there's not a single minority in the crowd at <laughs> no, all
0: no just the most, the most angry white crowd. people yeah 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 and and uh to see you know it's true though like if this happened in 2019 or 2020 to Kevin Durant or something, we there would be a Twitter investigation. People would be at every pizza shop in America trying to find this thing. But Mike never really like he. This is sort of the first time he's ever said it was a pizza. Uh Tim Grover has said for years that it was a pizza, but like this is the first time I've ever heard Mike like actually talk about it. So maybe that's the reason this thing wasn't further investigated. What do you think they put uh, on there to poison him? Like, like you know, that's the million meat? dollar question. Is like, what do you put on something in? to guarantee Did somebody, somebody
1: spit gets in it? it? I don't know. Spit's not giving you food poisoning, though, you know? Just
0: coronavirus. I mean, like, well, maybe, if you got it. <laughs> 1998 version
2: of it, that strain of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it must have been something intense. Maybe just poison. Maybe these guys had, uh, they had something for Rat Mike. poison. Yeah. Uh, it, is, it is wild. Uh, Grover finds Jordan in his room, curled up in a ball, shaking. I've heard him say in interviews like he was just straight up in the fetal position. Couldn't keep food down the entire next day. Uh, Jordan just laid in bed and received an IV. I mean, if you put poison on this thing and it kills him, like what happens to the world? Like that
1: does the entire NBA just implode? Like how does, how do you even have people go to different
0: cities? Coach Bobby, uh, starred in a movie called Celtic pride once that was sort of about this. (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) Is this Uh, another inside joke?
2: That was my ugly old brother actually.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. You know Marv from Home Alone, who some people have claimed looks like Bobby. Okay, now I'm getting it. Started a movie it. called called Celtic Pride where they kidnap uh, somebody the day of a game or something like that. I, I've never actually Paul seen Walker, that movie. Dude. Paul Walker, Oh, it's Paul not, Walker? Not mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's you. Yeah, definitely. I apologize. That's the doppelganger. All right.
1: That's the other guy that looks exactly like you? Marv and yeah, Paul Walker? Go. Those are the, the two people who look exactly like and you, that Bobby? Makes, you don't yeah.
0: look... You don't look like Matthew McConaughey. You look like Mar from Home Alone.
2: <laughs> you're going to have to tell the audience. Nobody knows that story. Do you want me to I just uh, dive into it? Yeah, why don't you well? share that?
0: Why, why not? We're, we're having fun having yeah, Go ahead.
2: We're completely venturing off subject, but one time I met a young lady um, on East 6th Street. This is many, many moons ago, and uh, she had clearly been overserved, and she came up to me and was like, you're really cute. You look like Matthew McConaughey. And I was like, yeah. I was like, you're right, I do. That's, this is the one and only time anybody's ever told me I look like Matt McConaughey. Did you
1: immediately spend anyway, your entire salary paycheck on the right. check at the yeah. bar? Yes. Okay, perfect.
0: Yeah, the whole $10 I had in the <laughs> in the checking account I spent. Um got you far they, on East we, 6th Street in, in 2005, though. That's
2: true, yeah. Uh, like eight shots and a, two beers. Here. Um, anyway, went on a date with her like 48 hours later when she was unfortunately sober Mm. and uh she's kind of looking at me funny when we sit down and I'm like what she's like you look like you don't look like Matthew McConaughey you look like that guy from Home Alone and I was on a double date it was with uh, our buddy Chris Rubenstein probably not listening either um (laughs) and he was he was in the middle of drinking water and spit out his drink laughing uh I started laughing then the rest of the table started laughing and uh, needless to say, there wasn't a second date.
1: Marv, for the record, uh, is the Sticky Wet Bandit, not Joe Pesci. So it's the other one. If you're wondering who he is from uh, Home Alone, Marv is the Daniel. Uh, tall what's
0: the dude's name? Daniel. Uh, Daniel Stern. Stern?
2: Yeah, I should probably know this by yeah. now.
0: Yeah, you of all people. All right. So uh, anyway, let's get back to episode nine of The Last Dance. So he's got the <laughs> flu, <laughs> aka rat poison they, they, pizza. You, yeah. So
1: they showed him
2: over. You just totally skipped over the Indiana series before they get to the
0: flu. I think we go back See, this is that. part
1: of the problem where it's skipping around different times. Yeah. We'll get to okay. that
0: because I, okay. I don't want to um, – we definitely won't skip that. Um, but I may be skipping it right now. Anyway, they show Jordan walking into the building. Like, even walking into the building, he sort of looks weak. Um, and Ahmad Rashad comes on because Ahmad has access to everything. It's just like, yeah, Jordan is uh, suffering from flu-like symptoms and didn't get any sleep. Uh, Jordan says, I'm going to try. If anything, I can be a decoy. Um, Scotty says how Mike was in pretty bad shape. The Bulls start slow, with the series basically hanging in the balance. Um, Jordan gathers himself during timeouts and leads a comeback, and those timeouts were just amazing. And I do remember this game a little bit when I was a kid. Just like the... And not so much that I remember the game; I just remember like the awe that like my parents or my dad and like his friends were talking about it the next week. Like I could not believe what he did because they kept showing him in these timeouts, and he's got bags of ice on his head. He's just totally whipped, you know.
2: Yeah, every time that every time there's a stoppage in play, he looks like he the life has just been taken out of him. I think it was uh, I think it was Weddington that said like it looked like somebody had just sapped you know, somebody had just zapped him and he just sort of goes limp and his head goes down. And in if it was anybody else, if it was any other human being, I would it looks like he's embellishing it because he's playing I mean, he's during the midst of the of the game he seems to be fine because he's playing pretty fucking good. I mean he scores thirty eight points in forty four minutes. So so it doesn't make sense that he can go from that to being lifeless. When, when a whistle blows. Like, I, you know, the put back dunk. You know, the scene where the put back dunk, he, he, he gets a steal. He pushes it up to Pippen. Pippen misses the layup and then he puts it back in for a dunk and then he dunks it and he just sort of like puts his head down, like, oh, like, I'm about to die. I like, just yeah, sharded yeah, myself. Yeah, that's what it looks like. You know, I'd say, but but this dude doesn't, I don't think he does that. I, I think, got a
1: theory for this for you. Are you ready? Because okay. now that we know Lay it's it food poisoning, it's a little bit different of, of a kind of life cycle for how long you're going to be sick for and what it does to you. Right. And also part of it is just getting it through your system. And so we're looking at it. It's, it's almost a full 24 hours later, he gets into the game and he's like dragging super sluggish. And after like a uh, half of the first quarter, I think that's when he kind of turns the switch and starts playing decently. And then he gets better and better throughout the game. I wonder right. if there's a chance that you can kind of start to sweat that out and, not necessarily feel like a better. hangover, almost. Yeah, like where you get like to the point where you start it start you. You saw how much sweat he was like pouring out just from like walking because yeah. he was just felt like shit. I wonder if that plays some role in kind of purging your system of some of the toxins that are inside of you, and and like that's part of how he started overcoming it. It's by no means should any normal human being be able to do that in a finals championship game, but I wonder if that kind of played a role in how he sort of got better and better as the game progressed.
2: That yeah, would make sense. Uh, if it's anything, I have never had food poisoning myself. But if it's anything like a hangover, getting up and moving around and sweating, it like it it really uh expedites the process of getting over
1: it. It's literally know? the worst feeling you can possibly possibly imagine. Like you don't even want to breathe. You just feel so terrible. Everything but it is, but it yeah, does. It kicks action. after like 24 hours, 48 hours. Like you're back, and like all you have is just the lingering effects of throwing up and shitting yourself for the last 48 hours so you feel terrible from that but like really it does once you've passed it it's just gone so it's it's a little bit different than having the flu but it's by no means better or worse it's just different and uh that's kind of one thing i thought throughout this episode is like i wonder if he's just kind of like sweating it out like toxins are coming out he's starting to get a little bit better and like part of that plus him being a total psycho and being able to overcome just about anything with his mind uh Played roles. What did that. David
2: Aldridge call? He what did he call him? The Terminator? Or
1: something him, like that. Yeah, yeah, he called him the Terminator.
2: I thought that was a pretty good description. It just did like he's like the Wolverine or something where he regenerates and it just, <laughs> pain pain doesn't inflict him the same way it does everybody else.
0: The great shot of him hitting a three pointer uh, in the fourth quarter and then just falling into Pippen's arms, yeah. and dragging him off the court. That's the most famous scene, right? Jordan finishes with. 38 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals in 44 minutes. So after we get that, the show of perseverance becomes one of the most memorable moments of Jordan's career. It enables the Bulls to re- return home to kill the Jazz in game 6. Okay, so now we're uh moving on to Steve Kerr and moving ahead. Let's see, no to game 6. So Bulls the Flu game is game 7 or is game 5 of 97. The first series against Utah, game 5 of 97 so then game six the bulls now lead three games to two and we get the steve kerr stuff which i thought was one of the best eight to ten minute passages of of the entire documentary same uh, you know it, steve kerr said before we get to his backstory we'll kind of talk about what he said about the shot he said i hadn't performed very well in the finals i was struggling i was so hard on myself. As a role player, I'd get, like, maybe five shots a game. Every shot took on way too much importance, which I think if anybody's ever played basketball, like, you've got to – that's got to really, like – It's I thought that was a really insightful thing. Yeah. Like, Whitey, I know that, that for you, you're a guy that uh, plays a lot of ball and you miss a layup and you want to kill yourself. Like, I can't imagine what it's like if you only – you know, if you're a bit player and you only get a few shots a game and that's your role and you fail at your role, like, wh- how that's Especially- got to tear you up.
2: Yeah, especially if you're playing next to Michael Jordan. No kidding. You know he's holding you to like this
0: crazy, uh,
1: whatever, this high level. He's like, you must perform Uh, at the best possible level.
2: He's like, you're gonna, your ass gonna have to go rebound to get the ball. Like, Mm. you know, like he was talking about Kobe in the All Star Mm -hmm. game. It's like, you're gonna, if if I'm gonna give up this shot for you, then you better fucking make it. So, so yeah, I could see how he's totally, uh, he he's sitting on pins and needles every time he shoots the ball. But continue, Micah.
0: No doubt. And so then one of the great and like funniest moments of the whole documentary was when uh Jordan is Steve Curtis, is telling the story about right before the shot they're in timeout uh, Jordan yeah Jordan is like covering his mouth with a Gatorade cup like he's like he's an NFL football coach with uh with one of those play sheets all the cameras are on him like uh, yeah Steve's like Michael had all the cameras on him so he like sort of whispers something like hey if they come to you be ready <laughs> And Steve Kerr's like, "Oh yeah, Mike. Hey, they come to you. I'm ready. I'll be ready. I'll be He's ready." He's screaming, <laughs> at I his, his it. fucking goober!" Exactly. That was great. <laughs> I thought it was really hilarious. Steve Kerr uh, is just the man. I don't. I don't even know another way to put he it. He did He's very well. Steve Kerr was good. Yeah.
2: Steve Kerr for president. Uh, we're one hundred percent future president.
0: You know, future I knew, president Steve Kerr.
2: I knew some of this stuff about his dad. Uh, some of it I know you told me. You talked about, Micah, But I didn't. I didn't know all the details. Like this, this stuff about his dad being a diplomat um, and all of the, all of this, his background um, being an intelligent. They're all, you know, everybody in his family is intelligent. They're all about education. This dude would be a perfect candidate for a president. Uh, I was riding my bike the other day, and they've got they've they I saw multiple um, yard signs with saying, "Any functioning human, 2020," uh, <laughs> for the. For the 2020 presidential campaign, so I'm like, hey, this dude would be perfect. Uh, it would be great to see him run. He he's intelligent. He's self deprecating. Um, he he seems um, he seems like he absorbed a whole lot from what Steve, I mean, what uh, Phil Jackson um, taught him as dealing with personalities and you know managing managing guys. So you know, I mean, and he's obviously shown that he can do that with Golden State. Uh, He's got a lot of humility. Um, He's kind of funny. You know, he was good when he was with TNT as well. So I can't think of a better candidate to run. Um, Damn, Bobby, uh, that's a good
1: podcast endorsement you just ripped off. You could do ads for us.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, it's it's true. If you look at Steve Kerr's basketball resume, like you just look at his basketball resume, he's got five titles as a player. He was on the 72-win team. He was on a 69-win team. Then he was the coach of a 73-win team and won – Two, I guess the, the Warriors have won two titles, been to four championships. Uh, no, they won three. It's pretty amazing won three. Just Well, just as a basketball player. And, you know, he's gotten some shit over the years from certain people because, like, he's been very outspoken about uh, gun violence and supporting the Brady campaign and things of that nature. But then you see in this, his dad was murdered, shot in the head. Yeah, it's crazy. If you stack
1: him up against um, his opponent, it would be... Um, Donald Trump's WWE Hall of Fame. You would have. Uh, what else did uh, Trump do recently? He's got all sorts of uh, accolades. He's a
2: single digit handicapper. Oh yeah, I uh, forgot but about that. He does that. drive on the greens.
1: Yeah, he's um, scum about the green driving. Yeah,
2: he's scum about a lot of things. Yeah, one of many. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to believe we put somebody in the White House that uh, that drives their golf cart on the greens. I, I don't think I don't see Steve Kerr doing that when he's out there playing golf you think so he respect we're the game? Yeah, absolutely.
1: We just uh, lost Micah here for a second. I, we did lose Micah.
2: Well, let's just carry this. You know, we don't need like Steve Kerr said. We got to bail. He's got to bail out Jordan. We'll just bail out Micah. You
1: we can do I mean? this. Let me see if I, can I don't. Get him don't back you like gone.
2: that in the the parade at the end of the? That's
1: season? the best part of the whole episode. I thought like where he's like, right? You no, know, here's let me let me just tell you how it happened. And he's like, you know, Phil's drawing it up, and he's like, Michael. I don't think you got it this time. Let's give it to Steve. And Steve's like, you know, I guess I'm just going to bail you out this time again, like like every time, Michael, but whatever. It's fantastic.
2: It, doesn't that sound presidential to you? Was, He's out there in front of millions of people doing it, that. The
1: delivery was just phenomenal.
2: And at the time, he was like a nobody, too. It's not like he was, the. he wasn't like fucking prom king. You know, he wasn't, as you could tell from what he said in his interview, that he wasn't exactly killing it with the ladies in high school. So he he didn't you know he, he didn't have to go I don't I don't think anybody knew what he was going to say when he walked up there and he says that and I've seen that before but when you hear the story when you when you get the background um, about everything about his dad and uh, his relationship with Jordan and kind of how it evolved it just made the it, it made that scene at their parade after the season that much cooler yeah so that that whole ten minutes was awesome when I first turned it on it was. Um, it was live. I was. It was like eight thirty. I was trying to watch it. I was trying to go back and watch it. The way ESPN does it is you cannot. You can't stream it until it's done. So I was like, all right, I'll just watch the. I watched the second thirty minutes before the, before the first. And I'm like, why are we spending ten minutes on the second to last episode on Kerr? But then I watched it. It got through all of it. I was like, that was really good. I actually enjoyed that. Uh, yeah. So one actually, other thing that, that I was got was an from ex- watching. Ex-
0: one other great thing you got from Steve Kerr was uh, seeing that he found a haircut that worked for him when he was like 18 and he just stuck <laughs> with it. It's the exact same haircut he has yeah. now. And then they showed him as a kid with that fucking terrible bowl cut. I just, I loved it. I love that he knows what works and I'm just going <laughs> future President Kerr. I mean, he barely got a college
1: uh, scholarship offer and he ended up being a pivotal player in the world championship next door or next to Michael Jordan. Like, that's a crazy
0: story. No doubt. He also retired and still has the highest career 3-point percentage in NBA history. Like the guy was a sniper. He was he you know, I mean I don't know what he would be in today's game if he's JJ Redick or Kyle Korver or something hang around play 15 years and make, you know, 150 million dollars. Mm. Uh it's just kind of interesting to to see how it worked, but uh I mean he was very much a role player and in 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 the game, the way it was played, like, these guys didn't shoot many threes. Like, it just wasn't... He would be a much more valuable player today, I would imagine. I'll say this, um, though. But this Yeah, it was pretty awesome that he committed to, to Arizona without ever going
1: there. Right. And the other thing I'll say is the street cred that, my, that Kerr got from this episode with future NBA players and with people coming into the league, like, having Jordan's approval or whatever stamp of approval, I thought that maybe could be a... Uh, a useful thing for him, but that is kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. So that was the Steve Kerr portion. Then we, we sort of flash ahead to the 98 Eastern conference finals. This is the Pacers series This that one of only two series in Michael's entire playoff career that goes seven games, um, or at least in the championship run bulls jump out to a two Oh lead. This, this Pacers team had Reggie, uh, Jalen Rose, Mark Jackson, Chris Mullen, Rick Smits, and the, the, uh, what were those dudes' names? Antonio the, Davis the, the and Antonio McDice, guys. or
1: something? It was the Antonios? Yeah, the, two- the Davis brothers. Davis
0: brothers. Davis. The Davis brothers. Antonio Davis and whoever the other one was. Dale Davis. That's it. Um, yeah, there you go. So Miller, you know, game three, they show, you know, these games were super intense. I mean, like, you get sort of a feel for it. Those Indiana crowds, speaking of white people, uh, but that's a whole nother story. But those (coughs) Indiana crowds were crazy. Uh, And these games were physical. They were just intense. They were close. They were low scoring, all of those things. They show Reggie um, hitting hitting that dramatic shot in game four, giving Michael a hell of a shove, which was pretty funny, uh, and then hitting a game winner. Um, Then pushing – eventually we go to seven. And this is something that none of the Bulls' six finals opponents ever accomplished, obviously – Jackson was forced to remind his team, which wasn't accustomed to these do-or-die games, that you need to face the possibility that you could lose. Uh, This was pretty awesome. Uh, You know, Jordan, before the game, said, we will win game seven. Yeah, he did not face the possibility of loss. He was like, we will. He went straight (laughs) Joe Namath. We're not going to lose. He ignored Phil. But then they showed him behind the scenes, and he looked Kind of nervous, yeah. Uh, and he, he warned the camera crew, don't talk. He told Ahmad, don't talk to Scott Burrell because you'll scare the <laughs> shit out. of He's them. not approved. Yeah, that was so funny. Them, You're not he approved. He was just fucking roasting Scott Burrell. Yeah, it is not approved to go talk to Scott Burrell. That was hilarious. <laughs> uh, Scott Burrell yeah. got shit
1: on him, this entire this whole documentary. He
2: looked really soft. You're right. He, he Scott Burrell comes out of this looking. He looks like a nice guy. Yeah, but soft. You know, nice guys. A lot Jordan of talent. Has, too soft. Yeah, Jordan has kind of put. He's he's made everybody believe the nice guys are not going to win. Right. Uh, at least during this documentary, that that's one of the themes.
1: Not that's an admirable nice uh, quality of of to Jordan. Jordan not
0: uh, admire yeah, nice. Especially not to Mike. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, you you no. had the awesome. Uh, they they sort of zoomed in on the jump ball between Rick Smith and Mike with like I think it's like six and a half minutes left in the fourth yeah, quarter. Yeah, paces are up. Where. Yeah. Pacers are up three, and I've heard people talk about this. Like whole Zach Lowe, I think wrote a whole piece about it. And if you just sort of watch that the way that it that Scotty uh, maneuvers yeah. his way to get the ball, because Rick Smiths he realizes like Smiths always tapped the ball forward, even though he's like seven six or seven four, whatever. He was a big dude. Like he's gonna outjump Mike, but Scotty managed to maneuver his way in and get the ball, even though Smiths did what he always did. T- 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 what he, t- he would t- always t- do, right? And then they scramble, and Steve Kerr hits a game-tying three. And then down the stretch, as uh, Jalen says, we folded like we were a ninth-grade team that had no shot. Uh, And Reggie (laughs) says that Steve Kerr hit the biggest shot of that series. We had the better team. I really do believe that. The championship DNA, the championship experience, rose to the forefront. Uh, And, you know, you also get a great moment of Michael walking through the locker room, like, shaking hands, talking from teammate to teammate which we never actually see him like being supportive and just like the joy of him like big shots boy he said to Kerr that's huge that's huge yeah I don't see Kobe doing that I
2: don't see Kobe doing that at any point in his career that's really cool like that that's probably the the, maybe the best part of the whole documentary is all this footage that it hasn't been released because Jordan's been a pretty he's, he's been about as well documented as anybody from that era for sure but there's limited there's you know, at that time there was a whole lot of limited exposure compared to what we have now. So so a lot of that stuff just hasn't been visible to the public. And uh Phil Jackson talks about in his book about how like kind of the dynamic between Jordan and his teammates is that he he's ruthless and and he can be an asshole and probably often was an asshole, but he also he also wanted to he wanted them to win with him. And he kinda of realized he's like I, you know, you just can't be an asshole all the time. You can't alienate people on your you know that are on your side all yeah. the time so so he's supporting him when when the time you know when it's time to celebrate he celebrated and you know he was fun to be around and he was charismatic and that's probably part of the reason that he was so successful and the teams was so successful that part of the documentary is really good yeah
0: there's still there's still some other stuff uh they they briefly talked about how carl malone had won the 97 mvp which Michael said, fuel the fire for me, which is pretty fucking obvious. Like, somebody, I've seen somebody tweet this week, like, somebody needs to tell Michael Jordan that coronavirus, like, that he <laughs> started coronavirus or something just to fuel the fire so he can go solve it. Because, like, yeah. he's just going to make up something and he's going to get over that thing. Michael, coronavirus um, is better at basketball than you. Go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the best fuel. stuff is. Where he just kills Byron Russell or Byron? Oh Russell. my God, it's he Byron, murders him. I always thought it was Byron. Me too. They kept calling him. I did too. Brian Russell. They called him Brian. I was the very confused time. by this. Isn't it yeah, Byron? and it's that- it's spelled by it's spelled Brian, uh, B R Y O N. So I guess it is Brian, not Byron. Uh, anyway, We're, Brian Russell, We played thirteen so, years. Huh? Yeah, yeah, he plays thirteen years. Oh, now we're back in the 98. I, I I want to talk about the Bird stuff, too, because that was my favorite part of the whole thing. Me, too. I like that a lot. But back to 98, when he's going up... So now this is versus first Utah Bean, right? Yes. Uh, according to Jordan, he stops by a jazz practice back in... Uh, when he's retired. his first retirement. In 94, 93, to say 94, alone, right? Yeah, to Malone and Stockton. Um, Russell, a loudmouth rookie at the time, gave Jordan some shit about playing baseball perplexed Jordan turned to the veterans and silenced their younger teammate and brought him back into line. He's just said something about, like I told Carl, I was like, is this guy fucking serious? Basically. Who's this guy? And you better get your boy. Ru- yeah. Get your boy. Russell's point of view was not included in the documentary. Leave Stockton, yeah. leaving Stockton to describe him as a playful guy who earned the right to take the toughest assignments on defense due to incredible effort. Jordan apparently also told this story during his hall and fame induction speech. So no wonder Russell doesn't want to be a part of the documentary. Uh, in any event, Russell's words come back to Biden when Jordan hit the game-winner over him in Game 1 of the 97 finals, which is a foreshadowing of the game-winner in 98. I, I didn't realize that that Game 1 shot in 97, which he, which he's sort of like the famous like half-fist pump, yeah, uh, was over Russell too, which is crazy. And, and then that Mike one's barely just,
2: documented, to interject. Yeah. That one, you don't ever see, you almost hardly ever see that that game winner in a jordan highlight reel i remember i think i feel like the first time i saw it since it actually happened was like a year ago and and i and i'm like always watching i'm always dipping through youtube trying to find stuff like that it's
0: more it's more famous because kobe hit a game winner in the finals and made the the same exact same half fist pump yeah um Anyway, he hit that in front of Russell. The other and then thing, I love how he just other, he just dismissed the shit out of Russell. Sorry, let me get yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. He just said, yes, he I know how Russell played. He played on the front of his toes. Give him a head and shoulder fake one way. He can't stop. I, mean, I just loved it. I mean, he's using say, something that
1: Russell said to him in the 93, 94 area. In 97 and 98. Like, this is literally three and a half, four years later that he's drawing from the well. And, like, it, you could tell, like, he was passionate about this. Like, this really pissed him <laughs> off. And he held on to it for that long. Until he got him in the in the finals and then or whatever the, yeah finals and throws these daggers. He's still he,
0: he's still talking about it 25 years later. He is like, never he's gonna forget.
2: It. This yeah, fucking he guy. is relentless. Uh, he does have an in, memory. <laughs> that's true. Sorry oh, to interrupt. He, oh, he, he, he has a really important memory. Detailed, very detailed. Like he's remembering stuff from 25 years old. The way the way it went down, the way that you know yeah. somebody's body language or something. And I, I like that's the part of it that's frustrating me is I can't remember. I was a kid and I idolized this guy and I can't remember. I can't remember like how the, how the games actually went down. So Mm. that's, that's, that's stuff's awesome that he's this vindictive and he's this, like, this is etched in his memory. And like, it's when they're interviewing him and they're asking these questions, it's almost like he's still playing, you know, like the series that they're talking about is still going on the way he's talking about it. It Yeah. He
0: still can remember him playing on his toes. That's hilarious. Uh, uh, he said, also he said, hilarious. He said
2: he's on my list, like Arya Stark. He says he's on yes, my list. Yes, I thought of the same
0: thing. Uh, <laughs> His and, murder list. And then he I didn't. Yeah.
2: Decide to kill him.
0: Yeah, I did things. love. Speaking of killing, and the funniest shit that happened was uh, after after the Bulls beat the Pacers in Game Seven. You see Michael run into Larry Bird, the coach of now the coach of the Pacers, back uh, you know underneath the arena. And he just says, You bitch, fuck you. <laughs> you gave us a run for our money. You can work on that golf game of yours. It's just so fucking dismissive. Like I can't wait to take like three dollars off of somebody during a wolf game once we're back playing golf, uh, consistently. And then as they pay fuck me, just you say bitch. you bitch, fuck you. It's not even fuck <laughs> you bitch, it's you bitch, fuck you. <laughs> fuck <laughs> <So> you. <funny. laughs> just but so he, ridiculous. he says
2: it it's it's still like an affectionate way, like he's talking to one of his boys. It's not he he's not I'm not I'm not to say that he's not uh It's not, not it's, it's not hateful it's not, of, not, yeah. No, no, it's just the way like Rosillo talks about this. He says that the, when they're talking the earlier episode with Magic, Larry, they're all in the locker room for the all star game. And he's like, Who would have thought that these guys are just regular dudes that just like to talk shit to one another? It's like a you know, like a good old boys' club like a you know, like Frat Brothers or something like that. These guys that they're they're all competitive, but off the court, they're all cool. You know, they're they're not buddy buddy the way that NBA players are now, but they all respect each other's game and they all affectionately talk shit to each other.
0: Yeah, is really cool. you gotta love a, you gotta love somebody to just after you beat them in game seven. Go, you bitch, fuck you. You can't say that to somebody you don't like. like no. that's that's gonna start a fight
2: or or <laughs> doesn't like you. Right? Yeah. You yeah. Be yeah. Exactly. Deal. I mean.
0: If Larry didn't like him, he'd turn around and smoke him in the face. Uh, the other thing that we that we see a lot of in game or in episode nine, which we don't really talk about through the this thing, was Jordan's relationship with his security guard. Uh, what's the guy's name? Last name is Lett. I think it's Gus. Yeah, Gus, Gus. Lett. Uh, in addition to the Steve Kerr father assassination stuff, we also get this other subcurrent, which is Jordan uh, leaning on Gus Kett, uh, Gus Lett. Uh, Jordan said he was a protector. He was more than that. I had to have him with me wherever I went, uh, which is pretty pretty cool. And you, you see Let's Widow talk about the uh, tearful late night calls from Mike after his father's uh, death. And then you know, he also she also mentioned that Jordan was the first one to notice that he was slowing down because of lung cancer. Nobody even realized it. Um, and then they show that his chemo and deteriorating health, Kept him away from the Bulls during the '98 playoffs, but he returned for that Game Seven. And uh, Jordan said that it was inspirational. And he wanted to win the game for Gus, and then he gave, he gave him, him the game, the game ball, ball, which was pretty yeah. dope. Yeah, he said he would have been, or he said Michael Gus snatched the been game been ball caddy. for me. Michael snatched the game ball for me. That's all right, which is pretty dope.
2: Yeah, if if uh, MJ decided to go play professional golf instead of baseball, he would have had Gus on the bag. That would have been his caddy, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs>
0: No doubt. All right, let's let's uh, let's move ahead to episode 10. Uh, the final episode was the most sort of straightforward of the series. There was no bouncing back and forth now. We're just focused on 98. Um, and now this is the rematch against the Jazz, uh, which, of course, ends with, with Jordan's shot. But that was, That's the that push was pretty up much one, all right? we had left. Yeah, you know, this is also a thing that we – I will mention we get through nine and a half episodes until we see before we see anything, a word about Jordan's kids. Uh, which is just yeah. you know, it goes back to the fact this isn't a total documentary. We don't hear his ex wife's name at all. He never like his kids say something about mom. Like you, you, never. There wasn't a one minute thing where they showed his wedding or some no. photos from it or anything else. It's like we're just gonna. You know, I'm in charge here. We're not worried. This about This is party, not. Okay? It's
2: very clear that this is not the most objective uh, depiction of of everything. Uh, they, yeah. they, they do Which, get plenty I, of. Nobody pictures, said, said of view, it was but, really, but right. It doesn't. It doesn't make it any less entertaining. It just makes it. Uh, I would say it makes it a tad less historical. That would be. That would be how I, I would, I would agree.
0: But for for me, like it sort of jumped out when they showed the kids in the middle of the I ninth have, episode. Like I've watched I, nine I and a half. I had no an hour. idea what
2: they look like. I had uh, no I've idea seen what them. Daughter they've
0: been like. popping up doing interviews on Good Morning America and Today Show and stuff recently. Okay. Um, but yeah, it is funny that, like, okay, now we're going to talk about his family. Like, it would and they only they were only on camera for like thirty seconds. Like you could have just left them out completely. Just go with it. But anyway, I thought it was kind of funny. Um. Yeah. All right, so we we go, unlike all of uh, Jordan's other major foils during the 90s, Carmelo did not appear uh, for an interview in this thing, and neither did Russell. Stockton, of course, did speak for the Jazz, but he really wasn't prominently featured, and Jordan didn't really say anything about Stockton. The, you know, they didn't really talk too much about the Jazz as a team, uh, which in some of the other ways, you know, he talked about, Uh, what a challenge it was to face some of these other teams and, you know, what they had, the strengths they had. They didn't, you know, Michael at least didn't really talk too much about them. Um, And, you know, the other thing about this documentary is they don't make any mention at all that Jordan came back for the Wizards in 2001, Um, which, you know, not that they had enough time and not that they would have, but I just thought it was kind of interesting. I mean, it is The Last Uh, Dance.
1: it's, It's about
0: the Bulls, though but it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, but they also talked about Michael when he was a kid, like his entire life and then you're not going to mention But the, they don't talk you know, about
2: anything. They don't, they don't discuss anything after the 98 season. I don't yeah, I don't, believe. I don't think anything is in, in detail about. So they so they they can get away with it. I would say that Yeah, that makes, I mean I just it,
0: right. it would have been interesting to me. I feel like they could have done like 1 minute about him being the general manager of the Wizards, him coming out to play for the Wizards, him buying the Charlotte Hornets. Like and okay, being that's one a life of the in basketball owners,
2: in the history of the NBA. And, uh, and the worst successful. general
0: manager ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um so the behind the scenes footage of this ninety eight finals, which was awesome. Um, how about Jordan like in on the on the the bus, just like rocking out with headphones on with his big uh Disman C D player, and the players are like, what are you listening to? And he said, Kenny Lattimore. <laughs> I, I got it before it it hasn't even released. It ain't <laughs> what even fucking out nerd. <laughs> I did hear uh, I did read something from Bamani Jones this week that like Mike did not like Michael had this this run in the 90s but he is like a quintessential like 80s American story that this sort of like greed is good and heavy capitalism and all that shit is like really who Michael was that's how he built this dynasty that's really his frame of reference is more of an 80s mindset than a 90s min- mindset mm-hmm. And that they played a bunch of rap music in the in the the dock in certain scenes, but like Mike was never into rap. Like he was very much, it wasn't really his thing, and so it is just funny that he's jamming out to Kenny Lattimore, who I'm sure got more Google searches last night than he's had in twenty years. No kidding. Um, uh, the singer, I guess he's an R and B singer. He's a friend of Mike's. Uh, after, so they win game one. They win game two. They don't really talk about the. Uh, the, I think game one of this series was when Scotty walked by Carmelo and said, The mailman don't deliver on Sundays. And <laughs> he missed free throws. Like they didn't really get into how close game one was and how lucky sort of Chicago was to get that one. Um, Does that go into and, overtime?
2: That's the. I thought that was game one in 97 goes into overtime. That so was I,
0: game one in 97, but the Jazz won that one, I think. Um, okay. Anyway, the, the Bulls have home court advantage here. Um, or no, no, the Bulls don't. Game one game one was in Utah that did go to overtime. Utah wins. Game two is the mailman don't deliver on Sunday. He missed it. Uh, so Chicago wins. Game two in Utah, then they go back home for three. It was 2-3-2 two, two at this point and throughout Michael's career. Uh, they win game three and game four, uh, including just that brutal blowout in game four where they win by like 45 points. Um, in the, the game the, where the Jazz yeah, score 54, 54 I think. And it's the lowest that. any team has ever scored in a in a game with a shot clock in the NBA. Like it's just fucking bananas. Um, and then Michael says uh, he's in the locker room. They show him in the locker room before Game Five, and he tells Tex winner that you know I'm gonna slide a ring on that finger. And then, but Carl Malone actually gets 39 points and Utah wins on the road. So now you've got to go game six and seven back in Utah in front of that hostile crowd like it this was a much easier way to come back from a 3-1 deficit than the way it is now with the 2-3 or 2-2-1-1-1 uh with 2-3 2-2 the way it was you know um before game six in Utah Bull Stafford looks on as Jordan is wearing a dress shirt and dress pants is relaxed on the training table the staffer compares Jordan to a lion sitting in the shade just staring on a nature show he might kill someone today, which is pretty funny. Uh, I guess uh, we might have missed the Rodman uh, showing up on pro wrestling. I guess I don't know which episode that was. Um, it was nine. That's, uh, that's was that game? No, name? that's episode 10. I oh, thought was it? it was at the
2: beginning of episode 10. I thought it was at the beginning of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, is, it is game. I got it on right
0: uh, now. Yeah, it's after Chicago's blowout game win in game three over Utah. Rodman left the team so he could appear in Detroit alongside Hulk Hogan at a pro wrestling event, much like his mid-season trip wow. to Vegas. Rodman chalked it up as an unexpected absence and left Jan- Jackson to answer questions. Uh, and they asked Phil if it's an excused absence and he goes, no. And then the, the quote, the great the great quote from Phil, though, he says uh, somebody asked, like, is he taking focus away from the team during the finals? And he says he's only to- taking your focus away from the finals, uh, not ours. <laughs> But it's fucking amazing that Rodman skips practice before game four and shows up with the NWO, and it's just like it's just this is this is so fucking crazy. I can't imagine what this would be like. He's smashing Diamond Dallas Page with a chair. Like how how would this possibly work in 2020?
2: I, it didn't look like he was acting all that well when he was hitting him with the chair either. I think he hit him. He seemed to hit him with a whole lot more force than uh, Hogan did. Uh, yeah, he's smashing.
0: Like, uh, smashing the dude
2: are are you sure that uh you're you're not tempering that um that, that like you'd had some practice doing it a little bit <laughs> go
0: easy brother <laughs> i just love the fact that then they showed the the awesome thing so he just decides not to talk to the media before game four and that that pr guy comes out and walks up to the camera it was so fucking hilarious and it's just like all right so here's the deal there's 300 reporters over there. We're about to run Dennis out the back door. All right, you ready? <laughs> and they just do it, which is just so funny. You see him sprinting and all these fat camera guys, like chasing after him, like holding the railing, trying to get Dennis, and he's just gone. Uh, sprinting up a staircase and getting into a getaway vehicle. It was one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen. Uh, the quote from from Rodman, Phil realized I just always needed to do me. Uh, they're going to get 100% of me when I'm on the court. And uh, Rodman comes out and plays an amazing game for as as it turns out, uh, which is just fucking amazing. Uh, nobody – it's just an unbelievable circumstances. He
2: just – he needed he needed like a 24-hour vacation. That's what the dude – like clear his head. That's yeah. what he does. He goes to Vegas, or he goes and does some pro wrestling, and then he's ready to go. <laughs> he's ready to, ready to go full force the next game. Let's
0: see. So – uh so then we we get to game six and we see scotty pippen get a dunk like right off the start and he said i went for the dunk and it jammed my back and you see just the grimace on his face and i was done after that i'm telling mj i can't do anymore dude i'm done i was just a decoy that whole game but utah didn't know it mike said just stay out here and do what you can do i gutted myself through that game this is a great moment for scotty pippen uh in this documentary and you know, the fact that he's in unbelievable pain, and they keep showing him go to the locker room, get heat and shots and stretching and coming, like, going, missing five minutes, coming back for five minutes, missing five minutes. Like, I can't fucking imagine the pain that that must have been in. Um, and, and he's just walking
2: you're... up and down the court, too. He's not, uh, yeah. it's, it's not like he's, he doesn't look like an athlete. He looks like, no, he looks like a 45 year old accountant that hasn't, that's trying to play pickup ball for the first time in, Ten years. It's just, it's really. He looks like he's in. As he looks like he's in worse pain than Jordan was during the during the flu or the the food poisoning game.
0: Yeah, and they he won like, over a lot of fans. Mike he won over a lot of like, fans in that episode, no doubt. And they show the at, at the end where Mike's in, in the 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 hotel room playing piano by himself, and there's just a dozen like hangers on. People are just like laughing at everything he does. Where a guy like can't play piano, and yet everybody's acting like he's the greatest piano player in the oh. world. Uh, he says that like, it was, I was scared. Terrible he I think he said I was scared shitless when I saw that. Cause if you're sitting there and you're, you realize like, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to carry this team. And if we lose this one, we're going to have to go into game seven with a beat up Scotty on the road. Like this is dangerous. Um, back to the game, by the way, we have uh seven minutes left. We're going to get through this. Uh, they're pushed to the edge. Stockton, who's 36 hits a three pointer to put Utah up three points in the final minute. And, uh, you know, Eden, Eden Stockton said, I, I, well, he says, oh, I never said, oh my goodness, this is the Bulls. I didn't feel any special aura about Jordan or the Bulls. I don't know how you would play against somebody like that, which I guess is the mindset you've gotta have. Uh, Jordan, of course, handles the last 41 seconds of this game. Coming out of a timeout, he drives past Russell for a layup, then in perhaps the defining sequence of his entire career, he picks Malone's pocket and then sets up for the one-on-one uh, crossover against Russell for the final shot which was fucking amazing. I've never heard just like the breakdown that Jordan had here where he said that the Jazz ran that play a couple times prior and uh, Dennis and Malone had been fighting all game. Carl just totally forgot I was on the weak side. Now I've got the ball and I can see Phil out of the corner of my eye and he wasn't going to call a timeout. Just seeing him break down what was going through his head um, was amazing. That there. was incredible. And everybody uh, I- knew he wasn't going to pass the ball. Like he's taking the shot. And, and yeah. one of the best moments for Scotty where he just says, get the hell out of the way was the only thing I was thinking. <laughs> and That, that, that was, was one of the best quotes in this episode. That was definitely and then one of the Rodman, best quotes in this episode. Rodman then says, I didn't have you to he shit. Shoot. He, he's going to shoot this fucker. <laughs> he's not going to pass this fucking ball. Hell no, this is his turn, which is amazing.
2: Yeah, uh, I got two things on this, Whitey, if you don't mind if I interject. Uh, the first thing is the 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 bucket that that put them uh they're down by 4 the first bucket when he goes to the hole he gets fouled and he doesn't get he doesn't get the call he gets he gets fouled maybe twice on the first bucket and then the second steal is one of the most intelligent defensive plays you'll ever see is he is his his man clears out for the play that he's you know that you already mentioned he's cleared out so they can dump it down to Malone and Jordan is completely aware of this and he just decides he's like I'm not gonna follow I'm not gonna follow my guy or I'll follow him but I'm gonna keep my eye on the ball, you know, back the other direction. And the second that he sees the entry pass thrown in, he he slips back to Malone and Malone can't see him, which is part partially some of that's Malone's fault, but also it's it's really the guy that the uh, the guy throwing the entry pass really needs to wait yeah. until Jordan clears out. So it, it's as much Malone's fault as it is whoever it was Hornacek or whoever threw the ball to him. So He gets that steal and then he goes down and scores by himself. He just single-handedly puts puts the team on his back in that 40 I'm seconds. Down. I mean, there is no... The, the Bulls do not win that game and there's a very good chance that they don't win game seven with Scotty banged up without Jordan just putting on the Superman cape and, and going to work in the last 40 seconds. So It's just an awesome yeah. sequence that isn't talked about. Really, a lot of people talk about that the last shot, second. but not He's the whole shot.
0: sequence. Yeah. And well, and, and they, you also and get how many Jordan, times
2: have you heard some pushing off? You get off, Jordan the push off. You're
0: defending it, the push off. He says, Now everybody said I pushed off. Bullshit. His energy was going that way. No, I didn't have didn't to push, push him off. that way. He definitely wasn't a foul.
2: Hell he no, wasn't he foul. I, No. I can't the, the like people trying the, people try to, you know, throw that under the bus, that shot, as if it was less than what it was because he's pushing off. It's just is absurd. It, it, he just happened to have his arm out, I think, as Russell as he makes the move, and Russell's, you know, all of his body weight, yeah. all of his momentum is going that way, and he just puts the brakes on and pulls back. So that's that, and I'm really glad that he that he mentions that because there's a lot of classic. people that argue that.
0: Yeah, and when they showed it from the other angles, like it, it's very clear that it's not a push. There is something about the TV angle, the original one, where it kind of looks like he does. But when they showed it from five different angles, like there's no chance. All right, we got three yeah. minutes. We're going to get through the this angle, fucking thing.
2: The angle on the baseline, there, they're clearly. Yeah, there
0: you <laughs> You had, there were great shots of Mike and Phil talking and, and Jordan just saying, I knew we were going to do it, uh, which was amazing. And then you get him back drinking champagne, playing piano. He runs into Leonardo DiCaprio, which was weird. That was crazy. And Le- Leo just said that was poetic, which is just funny. Um, the euphoric post-game celebration was quite the payoff for the uh, under, you know, the NBA entertainment crew, which had been with the Bulls all season long. Jackson could barely believe what had happened as he hugged Michael on the court. Malone sought out Jordan on Chicago's bus. Uh, the Bulls squeezed on an elevator as hundreds of well-wishers mobbed their bus and the hotel. Rodman instructed Carmen Electra to kiss the Larry O'Brien Trophy for the cameras, which was fucking re- like, give me that documentary. I want that. Uh, and then Jordan playing piano in a crowd in his hotel room, and everybody's just laughing as this dude can't play piano. It's, it's just such a fucking hilarious entourage moment where he says that Pippen injury scared the shit out of me. Everything was shot. I had to flick my wrist. Fundamental shit. Throw your two fingers at it, which is great. Uh, and then the I, un- unexpected cameo of DiCaprio, which was just weird. Uh, go ahead, Wade. Uh
2: I just can't. I was thinking watching that with everybody celebrating in jordan's uh hotel room i'm just thinking I, I i could not do i could not be part of that entourage like you laughing at jokes that aren't funny and bad piano playing acting like it's, uh he's mozart because
0: yeah but if you're, like the mozart if you're like if you're in the room after jordan does that like we're all hanging in there just laughing at him too like it, it would be impossible for us not you know, like, it's, this is one that you know in that moment, like, you're a part of history. Uh, this dude has just done an unbelievable thing. But, like, in retrospect, this is so cringeworthy. Um, right. You know, you finally, the, at the end, you do get some of uh, Reinsdorf sort of defending, letting go of these guys. He said it would have been suicidal to bring back Pippen, Kerr, Rodman, and Harper. Their, mar- their market uh, value individually was going to be too high, which... You know, if you get murdered, you might as well you know kill yourself. I don't. I don't know. The whole thing is is a weird analogy, but uh, you know, Mike says, "Would I have come back for one year? Yes, I would have signed up for one more year. I've been signing up for one year contracts. Would Phil? Yes. Pippin would have needed some convincing, but Pip's not going to move out on that. I don't know about any of that. Um, but that's Jordan I was says, happy to hear is, yeah, that go ahead.
2: Reinsdorf. I was happy to hear that at least Reinsdorf asked Phil to come back. Uh, it. The you know at the beginning of this I, I wasn't aware that he did or you know and I've read Phil's book and I can't remember if he mentions it or not I'm sure that he does but I was thinking like this is Jerry Krause is really uh, probably the most culpable in all of this uh, the dismantling of this stuff but um, I would say Reinsdorf is the one that has the final say so he's the one that can you know this is his boss. This is Krause's boss. He can say he can step in and be like, "Look, I don't care about your beef with Phil. We need Phil back because we need Michael back, and we need to run this. We need to run this back. We need to, you know, uh, stretch this out as long as we can." So I was glad that Reinsdorf at least attempted to get Phil back, but he didn't. He obviously didn't do enough trying to talk to Mike or talk, you know, offer one-year contracts to everybody else. Sure. So he's he's definitely culpable in this as well.
1: So we've lost Micah. He fell off. Oh yeah,
2: we don't we don't need this. we don't need we don't
1: him. Need Let's close uh-huh. it down, don't you think?
2: Yeah, I enjoyed it.
1: It was great, it. Bobby. Thank you fun. so much for your time, buddy. Thank you for joining us in this three-man weave of the last dance. Uh, any closing thoughts?
2: I think we got him, didn't we? We need sports back everything.
1: so bad, dude. Um, we need
2: we need mj to come up with a, a cure that's the that's the closing that's thought.
1: that's really the end story here and i think i think that the nba is going to come back in some form or shape here in in the relatively near future And when they do you got to come back and help us break down game tape and and uh talk about the action
2: absolutely thanks for having me beautiful
1: man. i'm gonna play us out here You're the man, my dog. The Last Dance 10-part episode series recap has been completed. This has been Backdoor Cover. Uh, We've lost Micah. He misses you, but he says goodbye. Let me do it for him. Mm, Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. fuck
2: you, Micah. (laughs) (laughs) Good night now. Bye-bye.